to Theology Happens. I'm Rob Schutz, and you are checking into episode number 22. So, like I said last episode, really hoping the Supreme Court would have released some information on us to deal with some stuff. I thought I was going to get rid of that. There we go. Um, but they haven't, so we're going to have to just keep waiting and see how that goes. Anyways, so in the meantime, while we're waiting on that news, I thought... I would talk about, well, oh golly, I don't know if it's controversial. Well, no, it's not controversial. It's just a little odd, I suppose, because um, I don't I don't know how often we think about it in the church, um, at least in 2022, or really most of my time in the church, um, going back 20 years or so, so I'm not sure when we stopped talking about it. Uh, again, my time is only so limited, but uh, I wanted to talk about history a little bit and its its role in, in how maybe we, we should look at things because, well, I at, at the time of this recording and actually by the time that this drops, uh, I will have, I'll be finishing up my first, uh, first full, year teaching at at a school uh, I've taught Bible studies and, and sermons and youth groups and those kind of things for years uh, but this last year as many of you know um, I took a new full-time job as a as a teacher so I teach junior high and high school at a, at a Christian school and just about to wrap up year one and one of the courses I taught well tech well Hear me out here. One of the courses, I'll talk about two courses here in a second, but one course I taught was world history. So it was an uh, overview of world history. We literally started at the beginning and uh, of, you know, mankind. Talked about the biblical view versus uh, a more secular or uh, evolutionary or um, old earth view, um, that kind of stuff, uh, and compared and contrasted, but then also then got into all the ancient stuff that, that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, going back to Mesopotamia and Egypt and, you know, working through those empires, the Persians, the Babylonians, you know, Greeks, Romans, and then, you know, got got all the way up to World War One. Um, was hoping to get a little bit further, but, you know, I got bogged down in the ancient world, I won't lie, um, and, uh, and the medieval period. But anyways, um, we... What's always interesting is is literally not much has changed, I think, since I was in high school because you had the students who loved history and you had the students who hated history. And so, again, it was just the same. same. There's like no real medium. There's kids who are like, oh, yeah, history is cool or oh, i got to go to history class, right? It's just, it's just sort of the nature of the beast. I get it. Um, I understand it. Um, I think it's unfortunate, but, I, again, I understand that that's sort of the take. Um and I did say I was going to talk about two classes, and one of the one of my Bible classes actually focused on church history. So that was really fun too, um, and and how theology sort of came up in certain eras, and talked about councils and you know the medieval period as well there, and and sort of the Reformation and how that sort of all shifted at through time. So it was really cool. It was really fun to go through both of those classes really, and and talk about this history and how it moved and and shaved things and and how 
Um, history really plays a, a vital role in our faith as Christians. And uh, again, I I love history. I always have. Well, not always. Uh, I had a great seventh grade um, world history teacher. Shout out to you, Mr. Fidelli, if you ever find this. That would be crazy. I haven't talked to you in years, so I don't even know what you're up to. But if you find this, let me know. Shoot me an email. Um, theology happens at gmail.com. Um, anyways, um, and so since then, I just just fell in love with this reality that there's this whole lineage of of great people who did things throughout time and what history really sort of shows is again where mankind has come from and, and where we are today and we can make some predictions about potentially where we're headed because of certain things or all that kind of stuff and so it's it's just this vital subject that honestly i think a lot of people just go oh it's boring it's just about dates and memorizing people's names and all that uh and while there's some truth to that. You do have to know dates and names. The reality is, is it tells this story of everything that's going on. And I think for the Christian, we should actually pay a little bit more close attention to that story. And before we get into any text, I just would challenge you, I would just challenge you to open um, your... Bible's table of contents. Now, this is crazy because if you were to open your table of contents, which I have to admit, probably most of you probably jump right over, you would notice very quickly some names you know. And some of you, if you're familiar with sort of the, the uh, genre of the the Bible, you would have the first five books of the Old Testament, right? Genesis, Exodus, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And while those are often called the Law or the Torah, you can't ignore the fact that those are largely historical. There's a lot of narrative uh, in those texts. Obviously, not all of them. Um, Leviticus and, and Numbers don't focus quite as much on the narrative, but that's there as well. Uh, whereas, you know, definitely Genesis and Exodus and, and Deuteronomy, there's, that's a whole story. Um, but then if you, again, if you're familiar with your genres, I mean, the next chunk of the Old Testament is actually referred to as histories um, or, or the history. Um, and so you literally have uh, from uh, Joshua through Esther, a retelling of the history of the nation of Israel, how they conquered in, in um, Joshua, or how they you know got the conquered the the, whole, the promised land, how they uh, sort of settled in Judges and Ruth, um, and then the establishment of the the kingdom and the Samuel's, uh, and then obviously then the continuation of the kingdoms and how they divided um, and the kings, and then in Chronicles as well, uh, and then getting Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther talking about their exilic periods and, and how they come back. And so it's this, it's this cool thing when you stop and go, wow, okay, right there, the chunk of our Bible is, is history. It's a history uh, narrative. They're telling how the people um, 
were challenged, how they grew, what they went through, all those things in, in most of the Bible. Then you get the poetries, right? Job, uh, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Song, or Song of Solomon, depending on how you want to call it. Um, but then you jump right back into almost more histories because you then get into the major and minor prophets, uh, rounding out, you know, I say all the way to, to Malachi. Um, should I make my Italian prophet joke? Nah, never mind. Um, <clears throat> but you, you see even in those, while again, they're not necessarily a focus on history, there's still a tremendous n amount of history being told because they're recounting the lives of those prophets. And so there's history sort of interwoven in there. And so Old Testament, a major chunk of it is, is history. A major chunk of it is historical. Um, and so, and then New Testament, obviously Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. What are those? But a narrative of the life of Christ. Again, a history of Christ, a, a chronicling, uh, telling of what Jesus did while he was here in his earthly ministry. Then the, the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Spirit, as some want to call it as well, uh, which again is just the early, the first century church. What did the what did the disciples then do? Excuse me, the apostles then do right after uh, Christ ascended. Um, and we don't necessarily have a whole lot of history um, throughout the rest of the the New Testament, but what I will say is, especially in books like Romans or uh, Philippians to a lesser degree, Galatians definitely, and Hebrews most definitely, there is a major appeal to the historical record. Um, again, the books that we already talked about, the, the, the historical books from the Old Testament, you cannot fully grasp all that's going on there with the spiritual reality unless you know the histories of Israel as well when you look at the New Testament. And so it's this cool um, <clears throat> moment for us history buffs to stop and realize our Bible, the 66 books that make up the Bible, there's a ton of history contained within it. And even um, the gospel writers will make that appeal that they said that they went to eyewitnesses and they researched and they tried to understand um, everything that they could so that it wasn't just fable, right? Even Peter uh, talks about that in Second Peter, that again, we don't know if believing, you know, fables, but we were eyewitnesses or, you know, and all that. And so this, there is a legitimacy to trying to understand the Bible in that lens, that it's not just trying to tell myths of, of some sort of uh, lesson or some point, but actually there's some, uh, there's a major chunk of it that is real life human event. And archaeology backs this up. And so it's just this cool, this little tidbit before I sort of get into the main point about why we then need to sort of have a, a good understanding of history. Now, sort of just jump right off the bat, um, getting into this concept, I want to start in John 1. Super familiar, can almost guarantee um, most of you probably watching this have, have heard a study on John 1, but just follow along with me here in John 1. I'm going to start in verse 1. John 1, verse 1, and then I'm going to go for a little bit. Okay, so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made 
that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now notice what's going to happen here in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He became uh, a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So while Luke will actually tell that story, right? You get the story of John the Baptist and his miraculous birth, uh, all that in Luke. John will allude to this reality that there was something. But before, notice what he says about that in verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. Beginning, what does that mean? That there's a starting point. History is literally the telling of what God does throughout mankind. Biblical Christianity does not affirm any sort of form of deism. It can't. Because deism affirms that w that God created and sort of left man alone to his own device. That's not our story. And we see that here, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Blah, blah, blah. It goes on, talks about John. Verse 9, uh, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So we're going to see God's going to interact with his world. Never mind what he's already done and how he's interacted with the Old Testament saints. But this is talking about the New Testament stuff in particular, right? Uh, so he was in the world, <coughs> and the world was not, excuse me, it was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he believe, uh, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of the will of man, but of God. So, <laughs> so even here, again, it's giving us even more context. The true light uh, gives to everyone who's coming into the world, right? We talked about that. So God's going to interact with his world, going to interact with his creation. He's going to enter history, but yet they did not know him, and he came to his own. So that, what does that mean? Well, you've got to know who he, where he's from, what he's about, what is he doing, right? If you don't have the Old Testament, this is nonsense. But since we have an Old Testament story, we know who belonged to God. He came to his own, the people of God, the Israelites, the Hebrews. Uh, but they did not receive him. We know this. Uh, but all who did receive him, so then it's going to talk about the Gentiles and, and how he, he saves his Gentiles. Um, and then verse 14, the most famous probably part of this, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have not... Excuse me, and we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. So, so John one establishes this reality that there is a there is a history prior to Christ entering creation, before Christ taking on flesh, before Christ um, beginning his earthly ministry. Right? There's there's history before that. You need to know that because he came for his own. If you don't know who his own are, go read the previous, you know, Old Testament um, <clears throat> text to understand that, right? And so you can see that this is this is picked up upon. 
um, throughout Jesus' ministry, he makes reference to this. He says, have you not heard, right, in reference to uh, the Old Testament teachings. But this specific historicity, this specific notion that there is uh, something about knowing the past that's significant to the Christian. Because in in Acts chapter 2, right, Jesus has ascended. He says, you're going to be my witness, Acts chapter 1. Then Acts chapter 2, they're waiting. The Holy Spirit uh, comes upon them. They uh, then confuse everybody because they start speaking in tongues in verse, uh, uh, sorry, 12. People are amazed and mocking him, right, in 14. But then in verse 14, check this out. In chapter Acts chapter 2, 14, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Uh, I know plenty of people that that wouldn't bother them. But anyways, um, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days, Jesus will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on my flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on your male servants, female servants in those days on my spirit, they shall prophesy, prophesy, excuse me. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs below blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved now again you might not you might not be hearing a lot of history in that but he's quoting Joel he's quoting the prophet Joel which again Joel took place in a particular time in a particular place he is a part of this ancient history uh, looking forward he's looking forward to uh to this coming messiah and now it's come he's come rather and the apostles are now drawing down on that history going this is the fulfillment of what was said then so again a knowing of what's come before establishes what they're seeing in front of them um <clears throat> And then what's even crazier, then he says, uh, verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested to you by God, by the works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. He's now even just calling on their very recent history. You've heard of Jesus. You've seen him. You've some of you have been bared witness to what he's done, and some of you have heard the stories of what he's done. But nevertheless, you're aware of this. Uh, so you know this, uh, verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the uh, definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up and loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So again, pointing back to their recent past. Again, this is only days old. Well, yeah, never mind. I'm forgetting some time, but it's more than days. This is like singular days, but um, it, but again, recent history. Um, and he goes on only to talk about, again, how he was buried in a tomb and again, and rose three days later. So again, like he's appealing to them in this realistic sense. He's He's not pointing to some mythological figure or some uh, 
idealistic person, but someone who truly did exist, someone who truly did what he said he did, and someone who truly did raise from the dead. So there's a legitimate uh, connection to real life history. That's fundamental. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because in our day, now, uh, some 2,000 plus years later, some will claim that, oh, this Jesus of Nazareth never existed. But that's a fallacious claim. And even some of the most uh, skeptic uh, atheists and, and non believers will affirm okay, yes, we can at least say that some dude named Jesus did live in Judea and was preaching stuff. Uh, they would obviously deny anything supernatural, but nevertheless, it's hard to argue, um, at least <laughs> honestly, that there wasn't some man named Jesus doing what he did with the disciples and all that stuff. Uh, there's a ton of history to uh, back that up. And so, so again, it's, it's crazy to just, again, stop and think that even the one of the first sermons post-Jesus appeals to history, both by quoting, well, he's also going to eventually here quote David um, or make reference to what David said, um, as well as what Joel said. And so you can see that this is rooted in the continuing work of God that was started at creation. And even more so, um, I sort of quickly read through it, but again in verse 23, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed, uh, excuse me, uh, you crucified and killed by the, the hands of lawless men. So even in that, you then see, okay, this was not only just how things just happened to play out by, by circumstance or chance, but this is how God intended things to go for a purpose. So now, not only do we see that there is history in the fact that things just happen, but we see that there's actually an intentionality and a motivation and a reason for history. And when we stop and think about that for a second, that should make us go, oh, I should probably know history then a little bit. Because it's not just so much to be like, oh, well, this is what's happened, and this is what could potentially happen, because when circumstances like this happen, this is what tends to happen. No. You look back to go, oh, that's what God did. God was working these things. God was moving these things. God was raising up these people for this purpose to do this, to bring that about that. I mean, read through Daniel. It, it's trippy. Um, it is terrifyingly accurate when you talk about the kingdoms that he that he uh, prophesies about that come in after the Babylonians, the Persians, um, and then the, the Greeks and the Romans. And it's, it's terrifyingly accurate um, how these... Uh, <laughs> how these uh, empires come. Um, so you can, you can see the hand of God throughout those things. And then, you, well, we'll get to it when we get to it here in a second. So um, just in case I didn't sway you enough with this argument that the, that the, the early church knew its history and the early church uh, relied upon its history I want to just jump over to uh, arguably one of my favorite sermons in, in all the Bible. Um, and this is, well, they call it a speech. I'll call it a sermon. 
Um, and when I say they, I mean the authors or editors of the ESV because they put that title, Stephen's Speech. But Acts chapter 7, if, you, if you're familiar, uh, Stephen is before the high priest and, and uh, other religious leaders. And so this is what he says in high, well, verse 1 of, of chapter 7. says, And the high priest said, Are these things so? And so Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham, who was in Mesopotamia. Stop. Abraham, Mesopotamia. A name, a place. And then we know his story, because again, he's appealing to these Hebrew people who have a history. Once again, appealing to that history. Uh, before uh, lived in Haran, uh, and said to him, Go out of your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. And he went out of the land of the Chaldeans, uh, and lived in Haran, and after his father died, God removed him from there uh, into this land, which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, even a foot's length, but promised to give to him possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land be uh, belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them for, them for 400 years. But I will judge the nations that they serve, said God, and that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and the circumcision, circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. So again, appealing to the story, appealing to the history, appealing to this, these moments in history. He's going to go on and talk about Joseph and Egypt and the plagues, um, the some, the da, 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 Shinar, uh, Abraham. So yeah, he then he gets into Moses and instructed all the wisdom of the Egyptians, the mighty words and deeds, verse 22, uh, when he was 40. So again, he's now, he's basically telling them their history. And then verse 35, Moses and the judges, uh, excuse me, Moses judging uh, the, the rejection of Pharaoh and all that stuff, uh, bared witness. And then in verse 45, our father in turn brought in with Joshua, right? Then to uh, when they disposed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. Uh, so it wasn't until the days of David. So again, he's retelling them this history because this history from Abraham, the establishing of what is essentially a man becoming a family, a family becoming a tribe, a tribe becoming a nation, and a nation becoming, you know, big. Empire is probably a little generous, but uh, a kingdom, sure, maybe. Uh, where they become vast starts because God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a reason for what he's doing. And he's going to start with this small thing, grow it, and eventually bring the Messiah out of those people. That's going to be the redeemer of, uh, of, of mankind. And that's going to be this promised Messiah that the prophets are going to talk about, that everything in history is going to be pointing to is the is Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And so 
Stephen, again, asserts from history what it is he believes. Well, sorry, what he believes is rooted in history. Because, again, it's a historical reality. And it's, a, again, not just a historical reality, reality because, oh, it's just how things played out. But, it's, again, it's, they played out because God had a plan. God is, was doing something for a particular reason. There's a reason he selected Abraham. There's a reason he called Abraham out to start this process, to eventually get to Israel, to eventually get the Messiah. There's <coughs> a plan. Let's just call it that to be nice to everybody. So we have that, right? So we see John acts this idea history being important, understanding our history. But then if you've ever then started to study some church history, or maybe you're in a more traditional um, church, you maybe have come across the Apostles' Creed. Now, the Apostles' Creed is not scripture, so don't... don't um, don't think that I'm uh, citing this as scripture. I'm not citing this as scripture. But the Apostles' Creed is a significant writing in the early church, again, in that really early uh, first century type era, maybe uh, maybe even second, early second century. Um, I don't know, actually. Do I have the date? No, I don't have a date here on this article I pulled up. But... Um, it's significant because we know it's old because it's cited other places uh, later, but it was also then an early uh, summary of the Christian faith. And so uh, if you've never heard it here, this is the Apostles' Creed. You can Google it up and check me out if you ever want to. Um, it says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. You could probably argue about that point if you want another time, but there's... Anyways, we don't need to get bogged down there. Uh, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven, and he was seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Um, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, it's lowercase, so that means universal, church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, they even have an asterisk here that says Catholic. That is the true Christian church of all times and all places. So it's not specifically the Catholic denomination for those of you wanting to get mad at me. Uh, don't. So, um, did, you, did you notice what it says? Again, it says, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Again, another person in a historical time, historical place. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Again, time, place. Um, and then, uh, again, rooting this, this in reality. This is not some myth. This is history. This is real events. These are real things that take, excuse me, that have taken place. Something that you cannot avoid. These, this is what happened. This is history. 
And so, like I said, this is one of the earliest creeds that, that we are aware of. This was, again, a summary of the gospel message uh, that, that would have been more easily to recite or to memorize as opposed to, you know, the whole thing of Mark or Matthew or Luke or, or John or whatever that could have helped early believers at, at a time when uh, they were surf- suffering persecution and couldn't exactly um, always get their hands on um, a more uh, thorough writing from one of the apostles or a collection of writings, right? This would have been something that they could have memorized relatively easily. Um, and so, again, it doesn't stray from the, the trend that we've already seen, whether it's in John or Acts, uh, that there's history and they knew it. Now, again, were all these people that were reciting this necessarily around during Pontius Pilate? No, but they would have known that Pontius Pilate was uh, a ruler under Rome. They would have known, again, there could have been verifiable. They could have gone and, and done research if anybody wanted to check this kind of stuff out. There's, again, a, there's history that they had to know that takes place. And so, um, again, if we don't know where we've come from or, or where where we've gone, um, then 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 we be, then we don't know the whole picture. We don't necessarily see things as we could. Now, can we get by without that? Sure, but is it as good? No, you're missing out. You're uh, ignorant and and not being able to fully comprehend necessarily what has transpired. And I'll make a point about that here in a, in a moment. But while I'm talking about creeds, I thought I would then therefore share the Nicene Creed. Now, we know exactly when this one comes out because this uh, is a result from the Council of Nicaea, whether or not you like um, Constantine or whatnot, this is a a massive document. Um, 325 AD is when this took place, so now we're, you know, roughly 300 years into church history, and there's a debate that's come up and the debate is on the the Christological nature of Christ. Who is the Christ? It basically is what they're asking. Is he fully God? Is he just uh, a man that's not quite, you know, uh, he's moved by the spirit, but is he not necessarily, is he, is he the first creation of God, the father? And so he's like God ish, but not quite full God, right? There's, there's this, this debate and so there were two sides to this, the, the Arians, um, Arianism, who, because uh, Arius was the man who popularized this. And then, well, there, and then there's the view of what we call orthodoxy, because it's the side that uh, won out, because it's the biblical one. But that is, no, that God is, uh, excuse me, that Christ is God, uh, and that the Trinity is, is a real concept. And so, <clears throat> again, this comes later in church history did they did the early christians believe that jesus was lord that he was god yes but as time went on some people tried to get cute with that and tried to debate that what that really meant and so they had this big old long council that sort of root this out and again using scripture they came to the conclusion that no christ is god he's co-eternal and co-equal um, with the Father and, and the Spirit. So, but this is this is their then creed that came out of it, because again, you have to have a, a short summary. You can't document every point that's made. And so, well, I mean, they did, but 
um, they came out with this creed too that sort of summarize what they came up with. And so the Nicene Creed says this. It says, we believe in one God, the Father, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. Now, some of you are thinking, are you reading the same thing? And I go, no, but it's very similar so far, isn't it? Yes, indeed it is. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, again, very similar so far, the only Son of God. The only Jesus Christ, the only Son of Yeah, okay. Very similar. Begotten from the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten not made of the same substance or if you want a more fancy word homoousios as the father through him all things were made for us and for all our salvation he came down from heaven he became incarnate by the holy spirit and the virgin mary and was made human he was crucified for us under pontius pilate now it's starting to sound really familiar again isn't it he suffered and was buried the third day rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. Goes on a little bit further, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. Again, sounds familiar. The Lord, the giver of life, he proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worship and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic, again, under uh, excuse me, not capitalized, lowercase Catholic and apostolic also uh, uncapitalized. So you don't think that's a denomination either. Uh, Catholic and ap apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. So yet here again, another statement rooted in history confirmed by scripture. Everything that they pulled from is a scriptural point, and also it shows us that the historicity is consistent. Again, there's so much overlap from the Apostles' Creed. The, the uh, elders uh, and bishops and, and those uh, who were at Nicaea um, were aware of the Apostles' Creed. They knew their history. They knew that that preceded. They were able to start that from there and go, okay, let's put some clarifying points on this to prevent future heresy. Because if you've ever studied um, church history, you would see that these guys um, will make an appearance later. Uh, not, not necessarily the Arians, um, but not people claiming the same thing that they'll go, oh yeah, Arians. Uh, Arius was a great teacher. We should go back to his teaching. No, no, no. Instead, what you'll know is that other denominations later will uh, pick up this teaching and go, ah, see, Jesus is, is the first begotten uh, created one of the Father. What was Council of Nicaea? It says begotten, not made. And it makes that distinction because, again, we understand that Christ is begotten but not created because, again, he is co eternal with the Father and Spirit. They have always existed. Um, they are all eternal, not, um, you know, not one being created from the other. And so it's important to, to, to have that distinction because, again, we see this still even to this day. There are, um, like the Oneness Pentecostal movement, 
or Jehovah's Witness, they will say that Jesus is uh, a lesser deity, again, in different ways. Um, even the Mormons will, will sort of get cute with their understanding of uh, Trinitarian thought. Again, they see it differently than the other groups I mentioned, but nevertheless, if you don't know your history, if you don't know that we've already dealt with this situation in 325, then you could get pulled along. You could get strung along. Uh, because again, we don't often teach our theology even all that well. So uh, especially if we don't have our history to go with it, then it's doomed to repeat itself. Because, um, well, yeah, I'll go here. I was thinking about going somewhere else first, but I'll go here and then I'll end with that. Okay, so, <laughs> um, like I was just saying with how this was back in 325 and how we still see it today in 2022 with one is Pentecostalism or uh, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, um, I mean, Islam to a different degree. I mean, obviously they're not they're not calling themselves Christians, so they're in a different category altogether because they're completely different religion. But that they do, in fact, um, believe differently too would be again a good illustration of this. That again, because Muhammad had his visions, you know, visions, quote unquote, uh, so much later in history that again Trinitarian thought was well defined, and so he just either was completely ignorant of it or was completely rebellious against it. Um, And so, again, without that knowledge of this history of this understanding of what we've dealt with, we're, we're doomed to be, um, well, on a constant carousel. Because in Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, uh, What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. And I, I tell you what, this is one of the most true statements when you look at church history. Because you will see the same types of things come and go. Uh, in fact, you know, there's a, there's a new push. Oh, well, it's not really new. I don't know if it really took on much steam. Uh, but there's some people arguing, you know, that the, the Old Testament isn't all that important. Well, as soon as that happened, I shouted Mar Marcion uh, because there was a guy back in the, I can't remember what era, I want to say maybe the 200s or maybe, did he predate Nicaea? I can't remember. Maybe he's after Nicaea. I don't remember. I think he was before Nicaea, but, but Marcion um, claimed uh, that, again, we didn't need the Old Testament. It was just, we just throw it right out, you know, and so guys like uh, well, Andy Stanley, who says, you know, we need to unhitch from the Old Testament, or others who, you know, right, that, that say things like that, too. It's like, no, 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 stop. Know your church history. We've dealt with this. You need to back up. <clears throat> and so, again, we're doomed, as, as uh, Solomon eloquently says here in Ecclesiastes that, you know, what has been will be and what has uh, been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Meaning again, mankind, we just, we go in these patterns. We, we can get doing this, but what cures that is knowing, first and foremost, the scriptures, knowing what's actually true so that when this new idea comes along, you don't just get swept up in the new idea. 
But second, second is this idea that you need to know then the history of where we've come from and what we've done. I mean, for, for example, I mean, the debates that we continue to still have, you know, um, whether it's between Protestantism or Roman Catholic uh, teaching. I mean, we've, we've been debating that since the late 1300s with, with guys like Wycliffe and then in the 1400s like uh, Huss. And then obviously Luther in the 1500s and the Reformation boom of, of everything that happened in the 1500s um, and, and proceeding, obviously, like dealt with that stuff. But here we are in 2022 still dealing with it because some people refuse to look at what's already been done, what's already been said. Um, but then also, too, um, I already mentioned Arianism is, is basically... Uh, oneness Pentecostalism and, and Jehovah's Witness, um, you know, um, other, well, I mean, shoot, new, new age is, is hardly new, um, at all. It's basically Hindu practices, uh, with the little, uh, veneer of, of Western civilization sort of thrown on it to make it more appeasing, which also is just other types of mysticism from, from uh, the the ancient paganisms, uh, various paganisms from from around the world, and you know, and so th there's literally nothing new if you don't take a minute to stop and go, what the heck am I believing? Why am I believing this? And why am I understanding? That? You know, it's there, and if we if we just take the time to stop and study, we could actually go, oh, there's a there's a there's a, a plethora of um, of, uh, of evidence for particular views and, and whatnot that, that already exist. Um, I mean, in most, most re or not most recently, but again, recently, I, uh, debates within the, the Protestant world have been over Molinism and, and Calvinism and which one's accurate. James White uh, talked to um, Stratton at one point and also, uh, oh my gosh, just drew a blank on his name. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, well. Um, but also did, did a conversation debate on, on Molinism. Uh, really famous apologist. Craig. William Lynn Craig. There it is. Uh, William Lynn Craig. And um, he, and again, when you talk about Molinism, you have to understand its point. I mean, it Molinism literally does come out of the counter-reformation uh, with the Jesuit priests of the Catholic Church. And if you know that then you have to go wait hold on let's pump the brakes on their methodology if we're protestant that means we've 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 gone against the catholic church so if molinism is rooted in catholicism why are we adopting it in protestantism and there should be that conversation because again his history should play a factor in here right and so there's all these kind of things that we could do that just most of us if we don't take the time to study our history can become ignorant of and we can then get pulled into to crazy ideas and, and crazy concepts and, and things that maybe are not the most biblical so so we need to be mindful of that and we need to be cautious of that and we need to let history take root so I want to end then with this 
This is from Colossians, and this sort of reiterates one of my points I made earlier. So this is Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He, in reference to Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Again, that's that concept of begotten, but we've already argued that. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, and again, this is the kicker, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the church, excuse me, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So everything exists for his glory. Everything was made by Christ and everything exists for his glory. He is using all of creation for his purpose and his glory. Right, Romans 8, 28 says that God works together all the good for all those who love him are called according to his plan. Again, this is the same concept, but it's even bigger because it's saying that literally everything is for him. Everything is for the glory of Christ. And so we have to understand that nations came and went, and empires came and went for the glory of God, that everything that has existed in the past was used to show God's glory in some way or another, whether it was for, uh, per, uh, you know, uh, showing glory through love or gro- glory through justice or glory through wrath even. Whatever the case may be, we see God using these things to point out who he is throughout all things throughout all time and the fact that again that he is the beginning that he and everything is for his preeminence that this is his kingdom this is his universe everything is is working towards that goal that means that what has transpired in the past has been used for revealing something that that we needed to know. We needed to, to understand about who God is and what God will do and, and how he either judges or loves or again, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever attribute you want to sort of look at. But everything is, is there. And so when we don't understand our past as Christians, what we've been through the last 2,000 years, excuse me, we are, we are, we are ignoring or forgetting parts of, of his glory because if you've studied church history well shoot <sighs> do I want to go into all this yeah what the heck what the, why not right because so often we, we think how long have I been gone 15 minutes okay maybe I won't get on all this then I'll just I'll just summarize it and just say um, <laughs> church history is older than whatever the coolest craze was when you first became a Christian. For me, uh, uh, the purpose-driven life was the like the big thing when I first became a Christian. Um, we'll talk about fads, I think, next time. Um, 
<laughs> but you know it's older than Billy Graham or you know and and like the Catholic Church isn't as old as we think it is like oh we think about all oh, the old it was the in the early church and then Council Nicaea established the Catholic Church no I'm sorry you're incorrect the, the, no no not even close Catholic Church was developing and all that stuff and was going haywire shortly thereafter but no 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 I mean we can't ignore you know um, the fall of Rome and how that impacted you know Europe and the church and then the conquest uh, of um, Muhammad and and his followers uh, changing the the scope of you know the the Near East and North Africa which then impacted you know the depths of Africa right and all that and so all that plays a factor in how the world has been shifted and, and shaped and, and how we've come to be to where we're at today and what God is doing right now in our world um, and doing all the crazy things there. And so, so I'll just say this, read history, understand where we've come from, not just our biblical history, definitely understand that you'll have such a better grasp if you can understand who the Persians and the Babylonians were um, and the um, the Syrians and all them, you, you discover greater understanding, but then also understand what's happened after the book of Acts in church history. What was Nicaea really about? How did, you know, medieval period shape out? How did the fall of Rome impact things? All these things, right? Study it, understand it, because then you'll have a much better appreciation of where we're at today. <sighs> because again, it's all for God's glory. And if you love God, you want to know what he's been doing. At least that's my take. So, yeah, let me wrap it up there because we're about 50 minutes. You said, yeah, okay, let's call it there. So thanks again for watching. Hopefully you've uh, found something encouraging by this. And uh, thanks for watching. God bless.